Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada is dropping vaccine requirements for travel. It's about time. <laughs> He's right. Larry's They're right. finally listening to us. We've been preaching this for months. The science wasn't supporting the liberal narrative. Countries around the world, we were the outlier. It's about time. The Prime Minister denounces the attendance of a Canadian official at a party at the Russian Embassy. Obviously, it was absolutely unacceptable for any Canadian representative to be at this event. It never should have happened, uh, and we, uh, we denounce it uh, thoroughly. And his opponents claim a misleading email from Pierre Poilievre's campaign may have led to thousands of duplicate memberships. I'm not surprised to see this because there are just so many so many new memberships that there's bound to be a little bit of confusion. But, you know, the party does have time to sort this stuff out and it's in their interest to get it done to everybody's satisfaction. It's Wednesday, June 15th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. So let's start with the fact that the federal government yesterday announced that restrictions on travel, the requirement for vaccinations, uh, is is being lifted. It's also being lifted for federal government workers. And, and it's interesting. Of course, there have been people calling for this for a long time. Uh, there are concerns about how the vaccine mandates are leading to uh, delays at airports, although that's not the whole story there. But what do you make of this decision by the government yesterday? Well, I, this is evolution, I guess, Mark, in, in this whole you know situation that we've been dealing with for now, this, what, past two, almost two and a half years. Um, and, you know, this was, I guess, expected. Uh, certainly, there is a, I think, a fair bit of popular support for relaxation of some of these measures, um, you know, in travel. Although, you know, it's it's one of those yes, but uh, situations as well. That yes, you know, unvaccinated Canadians can get on, you know, trains or planes, uh, anything federally regulated. Um, but there are still you know, requirements uh, on re-entry. There's still requirements in destinations that people are going to that will still have to be respected. So, um, you know, I guess this removes one layer of complication from the travel situation, but other layers still remain in place. And as you alluded to, um, it, it is not just this proof of vaccination uh, requirement that was that is slowing down uh, travel, especially in the big airports, because uh, from you know what I've been reading and hearing, um, the airlines are, are still not staffed up to the point where they should be to to keep everything running smoothly. So there's still a way to go. But this is another step in the evolution of this whole pandemic uh, uh, the pandemic measures that we've had in place so long. Yeah. All right, let's talk about uh, this Canadian official who attended a party at the Russian embassy and the, the government was forced to answer questions about it again yesterday. The prime minister denounced the attendance of that official. Uh, obviously, it, it looks very bad in the context of what's happening in Ukraine right now. Uh, but I, th- I think people are still wondering how this could have happened in the first place and who knew about it in the government, in the office of Melanie Jolie, the foreign affairs minister, and whether Jolie knew about it herself before it happened. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it certainly doesn't reflect well on the level of, uh, 
attention to detail that's being paid, um, you know, over at Global Affairs. You know, uh, I don't know if uh, whether a deputy chief of protocol going to a diplomatic party, even at the Russian embassy, um, is something that would come up on the radar of the minister. Um, I mean, it, it doesn't reflect well on the judgment of the individual or that person's boss. Um, you know, so, you, you know, the question should be asked, but this seems to me like one of those internal, uh, you know, issues that has to be dealt with on a staff and internal level. I mean, it's a policy flub, but no one got shot, you know, uh, there was no immediate damage. You know, the Russians, I don't think, could make a massive claim, a uh, propaganda claim of victory in saying that, oh, the deputy chief of protocol attended our meeting or our party in Ottawa. Uh, you know, so this is um, very much an Ottawa thing, a Parliament Hill inside baseball uh, thing, if you ask me. Although, it, you know, it is a wake up call, I think, right across the global econo uh, diplomatic service to watch what they're doing and to make sure they're not doing anything that, which would suggest that Canada is okay with uh, Russia's aggression and barbarism in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, yesterday, both the emergency preparedness minister, Bill Blair, and Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland uh, spoke, uh, about, uh, spoke at this special parliamentary committee that is looking into why the government declared a national emergency, used the uh, Emergencies Act during the convoy uh, disruption in downtown Ottawa in February. Um, and there... There are some interesting uh, revelations out of that. The, the Bill Blair said the police did not ask for the Emergencies Act. Christy Freeland said Canada's economic reputation was at risk, which was part of the decision. Uh, I think the, the broader question, of course, is was the use of the Emergencies Act justified? And did we learn any more about that yesterday? Well, uh you know, this is a complicated uh, political situation for the Trudeau government because you do have somewhat different versions of, of this coming from uh, Marco Mendicino, the public safety minister, and from Blair and, and Freeland. Um, you know, Mendicino, whether he flat out said that the police demanded or, or asked or pleaded for invocation of the act or whether he only implied it, but he certainly left that impression. That, uh, that this was something that police wanted or were asking for. Um, but Blair's uh, response yesterday, and uh, certainly uh, 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 LeBlanc, Dominic LeBlanc was uh, doing the media last night, and he was saying that, you know, this was something that had to be done. The police were in favor of it. Uh, they certainly, the, you know, if you look at what happened after the Emergency Act was invoked, uh, that convoy that was taking up the middle of your city for three weeks and uh, plus uh, started to get dismantled. So, I mean, I think the liberals are, are in a political pickle to some degree because of Mendicino's comments, whether he was being intentionally misleading or, or not. Uh, you know, we should get to the bottom of it, but if that's what this committee is all about, um, then it should have the mandate to do that, and they should get some straight answers from the government on this one way or the other. Now, that's on the political realm, Mark, but if you go out into the country and say, was the government right to dismantle the convoy using whatever powers it had, most people would say, yeah, you know, they had to get it done. 
Um, you know, if you, if you can't have ordinary commerce across the borders, if you can't have the ordinary running of your capital city, uh, somebody's got to do something, and uh, the government acted. Now, now we're dealing with the fallout, uh, and I think it's in everybody's best interest for the government to be transparent about this and say, yeah, this is how we arrived at the decision. And, uh, and you know, if they're smart, they'll point to the result of the decision as opposed to the process of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, finally, Dan, let's talk about the conservative leadership race. And, and we're into a kind of an interesting phase because the, the memberships have all been sold for those people who will be able to vote in, in the leadership campaign. Uh, there aren't any debates in the near future. Uh, and so there's a lot of back and forth right now about the membership numbers and whether there are uh, uh, memberships that are not eligible and, and whether... There was this email that went out from Pierre Poiliev's campaign that some people are saying was misleading and maybe it led to duplicate memberships. So there's a lot of criticism flying back and forth about the process and the tactics right now. Uh, what do you what do you think about all of that? Well, you know, this is the, the phase of the campaign, I mean, or coronation process, whichever it actually is, um, in which... You know, the other camps, the non-Polyev camps in the conservative leadership campaign, have to go about or continue trying to persuade and convince, uh, you know, members who have signed up to vote in the, in the leadership contest, you know, to, uh, uh, to think about their side. And, and I think that the other campaigns are going to have to raise questions about Polyev um, and test his mettle, uh, you know, and uh, if, they're ca- if the Polyev campaign has been sending out uh, distracting emails or emails that were misunderstood or otherwise uh, caused people to overreact, then this is something the Conservative Party is going to have to sort out. But, you know, this is a massive challenge for even a large political party like the Conservatives, because when you come right down to it, most of the people working on it are volunteers. They're doing this stuff in their own time. And it's uh, when you get into complicated matters like going back to find out whether these hundreds and hundreds of thousands of, of memberships are actually legitimate and all done and all the T's are crossed and the I's dotted, uh, it, it's, a, it's a big problem. It's a big issue for the conservatives. So in a way, they're victims of their own success. They brought a lot of people into the tent. Uh, now they have to make sure that they're all managed correctly if they want to keep them in the tent for the real test, which follows the leadership uh, campaign and is when the next time they have to take on uh, the other parties, and uh, especially the liberals, on in a federal election. So, um, you know, this I'm not surprised to see this because there are just so many, so many new memberships that there's bound to be a little bit of confusion. Uh, but, you know, the party does have time. To, uh, to sort this stuff out, and it's in their interest to get it done to everybody's satisfaction. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dan, great stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today. Okay, Mark. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. Obviously, it was absolutely unacceptable for any Canadian representative to be at this event. It never should have happened, uh, and we, uh, we denounce it uh, thoroughly. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, Sabrina Maddow considers Melanie Jolie's response to the official who went to a Russian party. Maddow writes, 
There's no debate that sending a senior foreign affairs staffer to a party at Russia's foreign embassy was not just politically dumb, it was offensive and undermines Canada's mission to hold Russia accountable for its horrific actions in Ukraine. What there is some debate over, however, is what Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie knew and when she knew it. The answer, which remains murky, may ultimately be less important than the impact that having to ask it over and over again has on public trust of our government and civic institutions. In the Toronto Star, Stephen Tufts argues labor shortages are a long-term problem at border crossings. Tufts writes, The federal government has responded to immense pressure to eliminate travel restrictions. However, it is unlikely that delays will simply disappear. Pent-up travel demand will see the increase in passengers continue in the summer months. Increased air travel in an already stressed system will inevitably lead to problems. Current air travel delays are much related to structural labor shortages. An industry seeking to recover profits lost during the pandemic through low wages, understaffing, and no-wage technologies will only see more people grounded and disgruntled long after the pandemic ends. In the Montreal Gazette, Peter Harder argues, three years on, Quebec's religious symbols law hurts our ability to defend global human rights. Harder writes, the global community needs every credible proponent of pluralism that there is, and Canada should be at the top of that list. But we degrade our position when we tolerate within our borders two classes of citizens, those who enjoy the full liberty to express their religion in their dress and those who do not. Consider the position of Canadian diplomats who might want to press Russia for its arrest of demonstrators protesting the invasion of Ukraine or censure the treatment of Uyghurs in China. Will we have maximum credibility when we speak? Not unless we clean up our own house. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will virtually attend the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period. The Deputy Prime Minister and Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will meet with mining and automotive industry executives to discuss the government's critical mineral strategy at the Prospectors and Developers Association of Canada Convention for 2022. Defence Minister Anita Anand is in Brussels to take part in a meeting of NATO Ministers of Defence. Minister of Sport Pascal Saint-Ange will be in Ottawa to announce the first two national-level organizations receiving funding from the Community Sport for All initiative. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau will attend a cultural infrastructure announcement in Cook, Quebec. And NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will speak with the media after the party's caucus meeting. He will also attend question period. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, June 15th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day. <laughs>